then apply God's word. And you know, the more you're in the word of God, uh, the more you will want to witness to those around you. Uh, the more you're in the word of God, the more your soul will be set on fire. You know, we are born in a unique time. We have great benefits as believers over believers of days gone by. You know, not only just because of the technical advantages that we have, you know that we have a cell phone that you can put your Bible program on it and you can listen to the Bible anytime you want. You can put a program on your cell phone that will give you a vast library of Bible theology that you can look up at a notice, a moment's notice. Uh, you don't have to be in an office with books surrounding you and get up and get a book out. You just punch in the, the, uh, the reference and bang. You have all kinds of different authors and all kinds of different books and all opportunities that we have to study the Word of God, to understand the Word of God. It's amazing what we have. And uh, this book that we have is God's mind, and he wants us to be reading it, studying it, memorizing it and meditating on it. So why? So that we can benefit from it. You know, it's not uh, so that uh, we can, um, where's my little calendar? It's down there. It's not so that we can check off the chapters that we've read. You know, it's nice to read those chapters. And, and uh, if you have the excuse, I'm not going to read those chapters because I want to spend time in the word and I want to uh, zero in on these references. I don't want to zip through it. Well, I used to give that excuse too. And uh, I have learned that reading through the Bible, uh, you glean things every day, little at a time, little at a time. And the more you read it, the more you glean, the more you get. And uh, I, I have gotten so much just by listening and reading through the Bible this year uh, than I have in years past when I have said, well, I'm going to just read one chapter and, and chew on it. Uh, it's nothing wrong with that. But most of the time, uh, you chew on it for just a little bit, and then you just go on your way. Uh, when you have got the Bible every day, you make it a habit to get up and read the Bible or get up and listen to the Bible. Uh, you benefit in many, many ways. My wife and I used to think that... Uh, uh, our kids needed to be exposed to the Bible, and they do. And uh, we never did this, but after we have been reading the Bible to each other, we, of course we have more time than we had back then when we had all of our kids, but uh, uh, we sit and look and say, wow, just think if we had just read a proverb every day to our kids, even if they were playing on the floor and it didn't look like they were listening, you know, kids hear everything. And uh, it comes in and uh, it gets to their heart. And uh, if you do that for yourself, you will set your soul on fire. And so God wants us to be in the word of God because we have it, because he wants to bless us, and because it's good for us and for those around us. You know that uh, the Bible is, uh, has some amazing passages in it that uh, tell us what a blessing and benefit it is to have what we have today in this book. Look with me in Matthew chapter number 13 real quick. Matthew 13, this is uh, Jesus is speaking in parables 
And his disciples ask him, well, Lord, why are you speaking in parables? And uh, he says in uh, uh, verse number um, 13, uh, he says, therefore speak I to them in parables because they seeing see not and hearing they hear not, neither do they understand. And in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, which saith, by hearing you shall hear and shall not understand, and seeing you shall see and shall not perceive. For this people's heart is waxed gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes they've closed, lest at any time they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and should understand with their heart and should be converted, and I should heal them. It's not that he doesn't want to heal them. It doesn't, not that he doesn't want to convert them. It's that their heart is gross. In other words, they have rejected him. They don't want to listen to him. And so it goes in one ear and out the other. And he goes on in verse 16, but blessed are your eyes, talking to the disciples. He's talking to you and me as believers that have this book, that have been able to read it and digest it and believe it and trust it and have faith, put faith in it. He says, but blessed are your eyes for they see and your ears for they hear. For, for verily I say unto you, that many prophets and righteous men have desired to see these things which ye see. They've desired to see those things that you and I have seen, that we have believed, that we have uh, accepted. And he goes on and says, have not, uh, they have not seen them, and to hear those things which ye hear, and have not heard them. Hear ye therefore the parable of the sower. And he goes on and talks about encouraging us to have that good soil, that we accept God's word and allow it to work in our hearts. And so we as believers today, we are blessed beyond measure. Uh, the prophets of old wanted to experience what we experience today. Uh, we are blessed beyond measure. Another wonderful passage, real quick in Second Peter chapter 2. Uh, it is um, talking about Peter when he experienced um, this uh, transfiguration of the Lord in uh, 1 Peter chapter number, 2 Peter chapter number 1. This is a comparison between what he experienced and what we have in our hand today. Starting in uh, chapter number 1 of 2 Peter, starting in verse number 16. For we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. He's talking about the transfiguration that Peter was there, Peter, James, and John. For he received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And this voice which came from heaven we heard when we were with him in the holy mount. And now he's given us this example. He says, man, I was there. <laughs> I saw Jesus transfigured. I heard God speaking. This is my beloved son. Uh, it's amazing what we saw, Peter, James, and John, we saw. But he says, I've got something better than that. He says, we have also a more sure word of prophecy. Whereunto you do well that you take heed unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star rise in your hearts. And he's talking about there uh, when he says that this is a light that shineth in the darkness. It's a more sure word of prophecy. He's pointing to the word of God, to the Bible. 
And he goes on and says, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture is any private interpretation. And so he's saying that this scripture is better than that experience of seeing Jesus physically transformed and seeing God's glory. He says, here, you've got a copy of God's word. It's valuable. It's important. And he says, for the prophecy came not known by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. And so he's saying that this book that we have that we are able to open, that we have multiple copies of in our homes, that uh, we can share with those around us is more reliable. And he says, more reliable than that experience that he had. And he says, about this book, he says, whereunto you do well that you take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place. This book gives us guidance in this dark world and if we will just uh, incorporate it into our lives, we will be blessed beyond measure. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Help us, Lord, as we ponder and think about uh, this psalm that we're going to look at. And uh, help us, Lord, to uh, be active in allowing your word to affect our hearts, that we would uh, memorize some of it that we would read it constantly all the time, that we would be in it and allow it to work on our hearts. Lord, you know our hearts need your help. And we pray that you'll guide and direct this evening. Thank you for your word and uh, help us to realize how valuable it is to us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, turn with me to Psalm 1. I'm sure many of you have memorized Psalm 1. Uh, this is talking about the, the man that's blessed it is a beautiful psalm, and uh, uh, if you want to be constantly encouraged and uh, uplifted in your spirit, then uh, this psalm directs you to what will benefit you. Uh, it directs you to memorizing the Word of God. It, it directs you to personalizing the Word of God and applying the Word of God. And uh, if you'll do that, in just this one psalm, which the Psalm 1 really is basically a, a, an opening to the book of Psalms, and if we would just apply it to our lives, we'd be blessed beyond measure. Psalm 1, uh, David states that God's way to happiness is being separated from the world, saturated with the word, and fruitful and successful in applying God's word. And so as we look at this psalm, the first word is blessed or blessed. And uh, this is uh, a, a wonderful word, uh, which um, is interesting that Jesus also starts Matthew chapter 5, the Beatitudes, with the same word. Uh, as we think about this word blessed, uh, Jesus is the one that wants to bless us. And uh, these uh, biblical or blessed are statements, they're the Beatitudes, and there are over 82 different blessed are statements in the word of God. And then the word blessed or blessed uh, is over 280 times in the Bible. And so when you think of uh, what is God trying to get us to see as this light is shining in the darkness of our world, uh, I think that we could say that God wants us to know that he specializes in blessing. 
And uh, he wants us to be blessed. And uh, the only way to truly be blessed is to be in his word. And so uh, the word blessed uh, in the Hebrew is a word called asher. And in the Greek is makarios. And the meaning of it is it's uh, uh, the idea that you have something that is others would envy in you. You're blessed. You have something that's enviable. Uh, you are in a great place. Uh, you, have, you are enjoying something wonderful. You're blessed. Uh, the world would say you're fortunate. Uh, you're happy. And uh, when somebody looks at you and sees how blessed you are, you are to be congratulated. So it's a term that points to something happy, something great, something that you would really want to have. And so uh, the blessed life is uh, described in the scriptures. Maybe you could go to Psalm 23 and say, hey, there's a description of a blessed life. Uh, you know, Psalm 23 reminds us that the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. What does that mean? It means I will not lack of anything. <laughs> I'm blessed beyond measure. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. You know, that refers to the word of God. We feed on the word of God. It's valuable to us. We need to be reading it. We need to be incorporating it into our lives and into our mind. And so John chapter 10 and verse 10, Jesus says, I'm come that they may have, might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Another passage uh, in uh, Ephesians chapter number one, verse three says, blessed be God and the father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Second Peter one, verses one through four, I could say, at least my opinion, this passage really is what Psalm one is all about. If you'll analyze these four verses, you'll see that it reflects what, what David says in Psalm number one. Let me read it to you. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained the precious faith with us through the righteousness of God our Savior, Jesus Christ. So Paul Peter is saying, hey, I've written this to believers, those who have accepted Jesus as their Savior. They have obtained the, the precious faith through the righteousness of God, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And then verse 2, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ. So how is grace? Another way of expressing blessing. Uh, grace and peace is multiplied to you through what? The knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ. The next verse, according as his divine power, hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. Again, pointing to knowledge of the Lord, knowledge of the Lord. How do we get knowledge of the Lord? In his word. And then verse four, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that's in the world through lust. So God's word uh, points us to learning about our Savior, knowing a Him, knowing the word of God, you will get great blessing. And uh, here, Jesus wants us to be that kind of a person that is digging in the word of God, that is trying to learn more about Jesus so that we can uh, understand and appreciate the life and godliness that God wants us to experience. Uh, the abundant life that Jesus came to give us. 
He did come to save us, but he wants us to have an abundant life now, a life that's um, directed and encouraged by the word of God. And so the kind of person that God wants you and me as believers to be uh, is right here in Psalm number one. And uh, Psalm 1 has basically four things that it emphasizes. And we're going to look at those four things. And if you'll digest these four things, you can begin to digest God's Word, to meditate on it, personalize it, and apply it to your life. And your life will be changed. If you desire to be close to the Lord, if you want your soul set on fire, start applying these four areas that David mentions in Psalm number one, and you'll be blessed beyond measure if you'll consistently meditate, memorize, apply the word of God to your, personalize the word of God and apply it to yourself. Uh, you'll be amazed what a change it will make in your life. So the first thing that we see, let's look at Psalm one, uh, it says, blessed is the man that walketh, that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. When you look at that, you can see that God is concerned about our separation as believers. That if we uh, are going to separate ourselves unto God's handiwork, in other words, if we are determined to live for the Lord, we're going to set ourselves apart so that we can study the Word of God, we can memorize the Word of God, that we would uh, associate ourselves with those that love the Lord and want to uh, have the same goal of living for the Lord. And so as a result, the, this passage gives us advice. It says, uh, don't walk in the counsel of the ungodly. Uh, they, it is encouraging us to sep be separate, be different than the rest of the world. You know, the ungodly... Uh, they uh, don't care about God, and uh, the Word of God wants us to be close to God. And so uh, the Word of God tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17, uh, Paul tells the Corinthians, Come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord. And uh, uh, this is maybe something that uh, you haven't thought about. And uh, as a new believer, sometimes... We hear that we should be separate from sinners, that uh, sometimes uh, we get discouraged and say, well, all the friends I have are, are not saved and I want to impact their lives. And so when we think about being separate, uh, it doesn't mean that uh, you have to totally um, sever all of your relationships with, with the ungodly or the unsaved, but you must make sure that they don't pull you down and cause you to get away from the Lord. So you have to be careful. There are four stages of separation. When we think of being separate, when we think of uh, not being with the ungodly, not to allow, allow yourself to stand in the way of sinners nor sit in the seat of the scornful, there are four things that we need to be careful of. And that is our allegiance, our attitudes, our actions, and our availability. And so as we think about those four things, the first one, our allegiance, who, who, should, be, uh, who should we be al uh, aligned with? Who should we give our allegiance to? That's the Lord Jesus. Uh, we want the word of God in our lives. We want to serve the Lord. And uh, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16, verse 24, he says about his disciples, 
And if we're going to be a disciple of the Lord, he says this, Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. That makes our allegiance different from the world. So we need to be careful to guard that allegiance. You know, the world is proud. Uh, the world is angry. Uh, the world is sensual. Uh, but the Bible says of us as believers, when you look at your life, at my life, it should be different than the world. And the world says this, they, they, they are proud and angry. Uh, and uh, everything is around self. But God says in Galatians chapter 5 through uh, the Apostle Paul, he says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And so when we think about our allegiance, our allegiance is to the Lord. Uh, our, and, and because of that, uh, we're going to reflect the fruit of the Spirit rather than what the world has to offer. Then, uh, um, as uh, a believer, my attitude uh, should be different. In fact, that is what my attitude should be, is one of love, joy, peace, and long-suffering, not of anger and self-centeredness. And so, uh, as we think about these four things, we need to be aligned with the Lord Jesus, take up our cross daily, uh, we should be separate from the world in our attitudes, uh, that our attitude that should come across is the fruit of the Spirit. And uh, then thirdly, we should be separate in our actions, and we need to be careful of our actions. So in the New Testament, you know that uh, the writers of the New Testament wrote their messages to be people that had accepted Christ as their Savior, but they didn't know how to live the Christian life. And so uh, the believers... Um, uh, that had just gotten saved. They, were, they came from a pagan culture. And so the letters that were written to them were giving them instructions in how to live and uh, in their actions. And so uh, Peter and Paul and James and John, the other le letters, uh, were telling them how they should not now live. Uh, they were to be very different from the culture around them. And so we need to... Um, Stay away from the fads. Stay away from being like the rest of the world. So we're going to uh, separate in our allegiance, our attitudes, our actions. And finally, number four, uh, we're going to be separate from the world in our availability. Uh, Proverbs chapter 1 verse 10 says, My son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. And so we need to be careful of what we get involved in. You know, if you have a family member that tries to get you to do something or a friend uh, that is against your better judgment or against your conscience or against what you know the word of God tells you not to do, you need to say no. You need to separate from that person and not be available to get involved in the wrong things. So as a, a believer, that's what uh, David is saying in verse number one. He says, you want to be happy? Uh, be this kind of a man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. Uh, that's this unsaved world. Uh, that nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. And so as we think about uh, applying that scripture to our lives, uh, we look at our own actions, we look at our own attitudes, and uh, we look at um, 
being very careful in who we get our advice from. And uh, uh, the Word of God wants us to be very careful in uh, separating our attitudes, our availability, our actions, uh, and make sure that they reflect the Lord Jesus Christ. And so uh, that first verse reminds us of uh, being separate. Don't be spending all your time with the lost sinners. Uh, don't be spending uh, time and sitting down and becoming like them. I know that uh, my experience in the military, and I'm sorry I always refer to my military experience because I have seen a lot in people's attitudes and uh, the biggest thing that military guys, at least in the day that I was there, of course there was a combination of volunteers and draftees, uh, their favorite thing to do was to complain and to gripe. And uh, they had the dining facility at that time, they called it the mess hall, that's where you went to eat. And uh, I had just gotten married. And uh, I thought the mess hall, the dining facility served really good food, but m all the buddies I had, they always complained about it. They said it was terrible, it's not rotten. And I would eat every once in a while in the dining facility and I'd go back home and tell my wife what I ate. She had a tuna fish sandwich. I, I would have a three-course meal. I would have coffee. I would have salad. I would have this and I would have that. And it only cost me about $3. And she'd go, that's just not fair. That's just not fair. But they love to complain. And, uh, you know, I, I, I know I've worked in the, the secular community and the people I've worked with, their favorite I, favorite occupation was complaining as well. So uh, we need to be careful that as we mature as a believer and we put this verse into our memory, if you will memorize this verse, it'll help you. Uh, you'll, you'll catch yourself at times with people that don't know the Lord, um, uh, agreeing with them or even starting to complain with them. And if you'll have that in your mind, you'll say, hey, I want to be a blessed man. Hey, how are you going to be blessed? Well, I, I, I'm not going to stand in the way of sinners. I'm not going to uh, uh, sit in the seat of the scornful. I've got to be careful. And so uh, we've got to um, apply God's word to our life and memorize it, think about it, apply it to our life. And then number two, our meditation is verse number two. But the, his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And so here... The Lord is pointing us to our thought process. What is our meditation? What do we think about? If you want to be blessed, uh, you need to have the word of God in your mind. And uh, you have to delight in it and meditate on it. That's what the psalmist is here saying, that this blessed man, he's, not gonna, he's gonna separate himself from the ungodly and all the discouraging things that the ungodly do. Uh, he's gonna delight in the word of God. He's going to uh, have it in his mind. He's gonna have a little, he's gonna have a New Testament that he can read when he has a spare chance. And uh, he's gonna have the word of God that will remind him his delight is in the law of the Lord and in his law doth he meditate day and night. I wonder if when David wrote Psalm number one, he was thinking about Joshua 1.8. You know what Joshua 1.8 says? Uh, it says basically a lot of the things that Psalm 1 tells us. He says in, in the book of Joshua, the Lord tells Joshua, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night 
that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then shalt thou make thy way prosperous, and then shalt thou have good success. That's exactly what Psalm 1 is telling us, is encouraging us to do, uh, that we would have this kind of a, a relationship with the Lord. So uh, meditating on God's word is a powerful habit of pondering, of personalizing and practicing the scripture. And so quote scripture when you wake up in the morning. Train yourself to ponder or meditate on scripture throughout the day. As you think about it and ponder it, then apply it to your life. As you're doing whatever you're doing that day, uh, it is very valuable. Then at night as you lay on your pillow and you can't sleep, or maybe you wake up in the middle of the night, don't do what the world says. They say, count sheep, count sheep. I'm not going to count sheep. Quote a Bible verse. You know, when, when uh, uh, you, you quote Bible verses, it encourages your heart and, uh, you know, it relaxes you and, and gives you peace and you just fall back to sleep. And so uh, the word of God is good for you. The word of God is necessary and we need to be involved in what Psalm 1 says, that we should be separating from those bad influences and we should be delighting in the good influence. What is the good influence? <laughs> the word of God. Uh, if, um, if, if you want to uh, develop those habits, start today. Memorize verse number one. Maybe memorize the, the, just the first half of it. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. Uh, you can memorize that much. You know your name, don't you? Don't you know your street address? Oh, I'll bet you even know the name of this church, you know. Uh, that is something you just memorize, you take it in, and you can have it. And then the third thing that uh, results from you separating from those bad influences, meditating on the Word of God, delighting in it, allowing it to change your life, what's going to happen? You're going to grow spiritually. Verse number three, and he shall be like a tree. Who is going to be like a tree? This guy that gets away from these bad influences, this guy that will delight himself in the word of God, what's going to happen? God's going to bless him. He says here in verse number three, and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. God, that's a wonderful promise, isn't it? He says, hey, you're gonna, you want to prosper? Joshua 1.8 told, uh, uh, the Lord told Joshua, hey, you want to prosper? Hey, get this word, the word of God in your mind, in your heart. Uh, continue to meditate on it and you'll grow. If we'll separate from the world, meditate on the word, uh, whatever we do will prosper. That is, we'll be filled with the joy of the Lord. The Lord will bless our heart, will bless our actions, and uh, we will fulfill uh, real success in our lives, and that's to develop that relationship with the Lord that impacts everybody around you, that impacts you and your earthly relationships because your heavenly relationships are right. And so uh, we need to be in the Word of God. We need to be applying it to our lives. And so here, not only um, does the Lord want us to separate, He wants us to grow spiritually, and the Word of God is the key to that. And verse uh, number four through six points out what our destination will be. If we will apply our word to our lives, you know that we have uh, the plan of salvation in the word of God. Uh, the first passage that I read uh, that uh, Peter said, we have not um, cunningly devised plan 
uh, that we've presented to you. No, it's the Word of God, and the Word of God here tells us how to be saved. And this passage from 4 to 6 reminds us of the destination. You know, he first tells us to stay away from the ungodly influences, and now he's going to see what happens to the ungodly and to the godly. They're going to see how we separate in eternity. And so here in verses 4 through 6, the last three verses contrast the destination of the ungodly, the lost, uh, versus the righteous or the saved. Uh, he says in verse number 4, the ungodly are not so. In other words, they do not, they are not like that tree planted by the rivers of water. And the, that leaf that doesn't, uh, that, that, that they've, the, the idea that the, the tree flourishes and uh, is healthy and uh, has plenty of nourishment. Uh, it says the ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Uh, if you, uh, when I think of chaff, really the chaff is like when they harvest the wheat and they separate the grain from the chaff from the shell. They throw it in the air and the wind blows off the chaff. Uh, I think of uh, old Western movies when they show the, the um, tumbleweed rolling in the dry, uh, barren land. That's like what I think of chaff. But that's the idea, that that chaff is dry, it's empty, it's worthless. It has no health, it has no nourishment, and it has no healthy leaves hanging on it. That tree is planted by the rivers of water. What is the rivers of water? The Word of God. The Word of God mentions quite a few times that we need to wash with the water of the Word. Uh, that the Word of God is like water, and it nourishes us and strengthens us. And so the destination, the ungodly are not so. They're not like that tree planted by the rivers of water, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. Uh, the godly will not stand in the judgment. That doesn't mean they're not going to be judged. It means they're not going to survive the judgment. They're going to be condemned because they have not applied God's word to their life. And so he says that they shall not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. They will not get in to the congregation of the righteous. Only the saved will be able to go to heaven because of what Jesus has done for them. And how did they learn about that? Through the word of God. And finally, uh, the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. And so here, the psalmist is encouraging us, hey, uh, be in the word of God. Memorize the word of God. Apply it to your life. Uh, the word of God, personalize it so that you can apply it to your life. The Lord knoweth the way of the righteous. And the idea is the Lord has prepared for us a home in heaven. First Peter tells us that we have a, an inheritance that's uncorruptible, that fades not away, reserved in heaven for you, kept by God through faith. And so here... Uh, the psalmist is showing the difference between the ungodly uh, and the godly, the, the lost and the saved. Uh, the lost are going to be condemned. The saved are going to be in God's presence. They're going to be with the Lord. Uh, the way of the ungodly shall perish. And so here, as we think of uh, incorporating Bible reading and memorization into our daily life, you know that uh, this particular psalm encourages us, if you will memorize that psalm, meditate on it, and think about it, it will affect your life in ways that you have not even thought of. So I encourage you to memorize it. And then when we uh, think about uh, the Lord, uh, you wonder, uh, when he gave the Sermon on the Mount, did, uh, uh, after looking at Psalm number one, 
both portions of Scripture, Psalm 1 and the Sermon on the Mount, which is Matthew chapter 5 and uh, following, uh, that both portions of Scripture begin with the same word, blessed, blessed. Both go on to describe the righteous life of a believer. Both go on uh, to uh, contrast the two roads leading to different destinations. Here in Psalm 1, we're told that God knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Which way are you? Which road are you on? I hope you're on the road that God knows the way. Psalm 1 is the foundation of the Psalms because it is foundational to the prosperity of blessings unlimited. God wants to bless you. You have to put forth the effort, though. It just doesn't come magically. You have to get in the Word of God. Let the Word of God affect your thought life. Let the Word of God affect your actual walking, everyday life as you memorize, as you personalize, and as you apply God's Word to your life. Your cup will be running over, and uh, you won't have to say, Lord, set my soul on fire, because the Word of God will have already, if you consistently are in it and memorize and constantly be delighting yourself in it, you will want to tell others about the blessing of serving the Lord. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your Word. Help us, Lord, to put into practice these principles or these uh, points that uh, we have heard tonight that uh, we would spend time meditating on your word we'd apply it to our lives and allow you to work through us lord help us to grow spiritually and lord we pray that uh, this new year of 2024 that uh, this year we will determine to uh, spend time in your word so that it can affect us and guide us and direct us that we could grow spiritually lord that's the most important thing that we could do this year is to grow spiritually and allow your word to impact our lives. Help us, Lord, to do that. As it does, we'll be impacting all those around us. And we thank you for your love. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.